Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Koslowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. And same applies to any professional who may appear on the Light, the Fight podcast. Welcome to the OG Therapy. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of OG Therapy. I'm your host, David, and today we've got a very special guest, my man, Kenneth Scott. Now, for those of you who don't know Kenneth, let me tell you a very personal bio and introduction of him. What's most important to me right now is that he's an amazing father, got two great kids, got a beautiful lady, been together for... 12, 13 years. 12, 13 years. So you definitely are an OG when it comes to (laughs) the serious relation, uh, kid type life, so... And also, we'll get into this in just a second, but he was here for the weekend here in Utah for a special weekend. In fact, is it safe to say one of the biggest weekends of your life? Biggest. Huge. So we're, we're going to talk about that because I want to know all about how that experience was because before the podcast, we didn't talk about it because I want to talk about it here so it's still fresh. Um, and I was there to, to witness what happened yesterday. Um, but also, too, he and I have a little bit of history we'll get into in the podcast as well. I wanted him to be the first guest on OG uh, Therapy Podcast because we have a little bit of history talking into these bad boys right here, these mics. And I know what you're thinking. You're probably thinking, David, were you a rapper with Kenneth? Were you in his his group? Hopefully you weren't thinking that. (laughs) I was not not a rapper with Kenneth. I was not in his group. He and I didn't do like a two-man solo. (laughs) If I was working with Kenneth on the stage, I'd definitely be holding the towel. The the hype man. We in there. I'd be the hype man. They'd be like, man, they must have grown up together for him to give him a job. I like your homeless friend that you just gave me a job. Hey, you got to stick together. That's the main thing about it. That's right. That's right. No, we'll talk about a little bit how uh, this is not our first time talking to some microphones, but it is full circle coming back. And uh, I I look forward to talking about the good old days in just a minute. I'm super excited. I was just watching those videos probably like a couple weeks ago. So I was prepping for this. You're prepping for it? (laughs) (laughs) Is it funny like how we looked back then? Dude, I, I didn't have no facial hair. You looked hair. hella young. Like, and I never young. say hella, but he looked hella young back then. It's a California then. thing. But it is a California thing. Yeah, I look Utah, super they say hecka. Yeah. Hecka young. They use a lot of unexplicit language. So I call sure. it, I call it Utah County curse words. There or we one go. of my students say secondary curse words. I, can, I like that one too. I'm going to start using that. Secondary, secondary, curse, yeah, secondary, secondary curse words. words. Well, let's start about well, for the weekend though. Let's jump right into it. So tell everybody what brought you here to, well, not that you haven't been to Utah. What was the purpose, first of all? Why were you asked to come? The purpose was for me to perform at halftime. Okay, perform at halftime like with a cello or a violin? Oh, no. We was rocking the whole show, baby. We was rocking the whole show, performing my hit song, Rise Up. One of the other ones is Go Crazy, but mainly Rise Up, performing that. That's now, beautiful. what about these songs? Because I'm sure there's a lot of former players at the University of Utah mm-hmm. that have a SoundCloud. Yep. Maybe that's putting some beats out there. Some of them might Something. be good. Some might be good. Right. Why did they ask you? Because usually they don't tell someone to rip something off their computer and perform it in front of, you know, 50,000 people. Right. It's relationships. That's everything is based off of that. You know, my network, being able to connect with certain people and build off the foundational premise of the relationship is what afforded me the opportunity. And those relationships got your song even used last year. Right. So talk about why this song was so important to the University of Utah football team. Man, it was so important. Not only, not only because it connected with the, the team. But because everything that was accumulated with the deaths of the, 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 the former players and then but also my connection with the staff and the relationships I build with the social media crew, the different departments, you know, in my relationship in the music industry with my, the ties that I have with the producer industry, 
all of our relationships just kind of came man, together naturally. Form. Yeah, organically, very organically. So tell me what the two songs are about. So Rise Up was about our march into becoming a Pac-12 champion when we beat Oregon, you know, twice in a year. But it was basically the journey of that. And then Go Crazy is the celebration of getting to those moments. Yeah. Like, man, let's go crazy now. We are who we are. Yeah, um, where can uh, people check those out? Because I listen to Workout almost every day now. <laughs> those are like two of my favorite hype songs yeah. to get me going. So where can people listen to those? They can listen to it on iTunes, any streaming platform. Okay. So if you, whether you got an old okay. school Android, a, a new iPhone, you can download any streaming platform, you'll be able to get it. Yeah, definitely, especially if you're a University of Utah fan. If you're not a University of Utah fan, mm-hmm. just pretend they're saying your team's name in, yes. in, in it. <laughs> but uh, So they had you come out perform mm-hmm. for the weekend, but not just the performance, but they had a lot of other stuff set oh, up for you as well. So It was beautiful. You know, starting off when I first came off the plane, literally like an yeah. hour into it, met with Brandon at Little Caesars, did a partnership thing with them, which afforded a lot of opportunities for free food for them. So they can go crazy on yeah, the crazy um, bread, right? The crazy bread. Yeah. And what's cool is that on the crazy bread, it had go crazy on it. They put it on there? No, it, was, it was already, already on, on there? there. And I had that idea back. Little Caesars corporate should be, you know should be hollering at you, right? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Building this thing. You know how it all came about? How? Because of a relationship. Really? With who? One of the alumni, uh, in, one of the um, employees in the alumni uh, relationships office. Yeah. Knows somebody in the corporate office of Little Caesars. They're best friends. And so she reached out to her. I was just like, hey. And because that, a bunch of students got free food. Boom. There you go. You're welcome, the Muss and all the students at the University of Utah. Because <laughs> that was the promotion, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So they can, you know, get hype for the game and also get more people into the game early so they can. You know, That's true. That's true. <laughs> so we, incentive. Now, also, you were working, you're, you spoke during, you know, your mm-hmm. time that you're here uh, as well. So why don't you talk about who are the people you spoke to and, and why were you there Woo. in the first place? Yeah, so we went to the Black Alumni Association, which is pretty cool. Built some relationships with a new position that they put in charge, which yeah. is the HBCU partnerships. Yeah. So that was cool. Get familiar with them. Um, built a relationship with a board member that's on the Black Alumni. Um, and just doing some strategic type of items. Song Fest crew, student board. Just building those relationships and networking. So that was the main motivating factor for me is the an alumni relationships office. Like how can we build and improve relationships of our alumni to come back so we can move it forward? Yeah, and and this is probably a good time to to add in there. If you haven't picked up on this, this is the relationship guy. For sure. Like like Kenneth, you know, that's one thing that just immediately when I met you, and we'll talk about that in a minute. I realized that this is the type of guy that you could drop you anywhere, any country, <laughs> any neighborhood. True. He was like, drop Kenneth off. And next, Boom. you know, within 20 minutes, he's got two different jobs. Yeah. And then people are like, he's like, oh, this is my friend. So-and-so. I'm like, you've been here for two minutes, Kenneth. Yeah, but well, we're we buddies. We know for time. We connected. Yeah. Right. He's, you know, you definitely have, uh, whenever I see you, you have like a, a Noah's Ark of people around. You get mm-hmm. like two of these kind of people, the two of those yep. type of people. Uh, you definitely draw a lot of people towards you, and so it doesn't it doesn't surprise me that that they'd say, "Hey, we want to start building relationships mm-hmm. with student athletes. Yep. We want to start doing some new things here at the University of Utah, or just improve and add to some things For we've sure. already been doing." That they would reach out to you, and so obviously you work with the uh, black student alumni, right? Mm-hmm. Um, who else were you working while while, while you're here on this trip? Because you got done playing football. What year? What was 2015. your 2015? 2015. Even though that wasn't that long ago, there's new faces for sure at, at the U. Without a doubt, and a lot of people, especially the diehard fans, but a lot of people still know who you are because mm-hmm. you've been active with the University of Utah, you know, athletic department community. Right. But this time it was different. So you met with certain people. What were some other people you talked to here at the uh, at the University of Utah this weekend? One of the biggest 
people I met, obviously, because he's the head of everything, is the president of the university. Oh, really? You got to sit down with the president? Got to sit down with him and meet with him. And Man, I sat down with the president once one time, but it was for a disciplinary <laughs> issue. So. <laughs> Uh, and I don't think he wanted to meet with me. So yeah. I want to let's let's buy you. I bet you they, they wanted to talk to you. That's great. It was amazing. It was I right after. It was, you. Just man, it was right after the performance, and he commented on the performance, and we started talking about some things, and and as far as events and some future items that they wanted to incorporate in the in the university, um, and one of the things was like, what could you bring to us that can innovate, change, you know, things of that nature, and so we're building a plan right now. Right. right on. And, and it's talking about that. But I do have to give kudos to you because if it wasn't for the beginning of when you I, re I remember this vividly, you said uh, in order to connect, you have to be vulnerable. Vulnerability is the key to connection. And ever since I became vulnerable with everything that I've done, giving people that that window pane of to see who I am truly not trying to do the perceived value of, you know, whatever it is, trying to chase that avatar. People connect with me so much because of it. And that was all because of quit tripping. Well, they're meeting the best parts of you up front mm -hmm. instead of you fronting up front. <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> you know I love like, it. Because 18 year old Kenneth Scott, we talked about that a long time ago with a lot of 18 year old young men coming yep. to high school to football. You're walking around with a little chip on your shoulder, mm -hmm. a little ego. And, you know, you're worrying about like who you could trust and stuff. True. But you've learned throughout a lot of time that, man, you put yourself out there first. Mm -hmm. Next thing you know, people start putting themselves out there. And you True. get to know people for who they really are. You're not meeting their PR person, right? Boom. You're not meeting their public relationship mm -hmm. representative. That's true. And so I've learned so much through it, man. And every interaction I have with someone, I always tell them, just be vulnerable with me. Let me know the real you so we can connect. And once we finally connect, then we're able to build on a relationship. Yeah, you know, and also, too, like, most people want to, like, we get used to hearing like, how you doing? How's it going? Fine. Okay. Whatever. Mm. But whenever you have that moment to have them like that time where someone asks a question, someone says something, mm -hmm. even if you're staying in line, it can create a laugh. Mm -hmm. It can create a, like some sort of connection. Like, Oh, you know, so-and-so like, yep. Oh, I'm a fan of that team too. So true. Just those intimate, just those even intimate connections don't have to take a long time. Right. As long as someone's willing to go first. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And so, I, I could, big kudos to you providing that OG therapy. No pun intended to the podcast, but it allowed me to see things from a bigger view. Well, let, let's let's talk about that then, mm -hmm. and about why it was so important that I wanted Kenneth to be my first guest on OG therapy. So let's talk about how we first met, and obviously we don't have to go down a big long thing because mm -hmm. it wasn't like you know it wasn't like you you know you met your lady. That that'd be a better <laughs> story. Like me, it's like yeah, I met this dude one time. Yeah. But uh, talk about how we first met, and then give uh, the listeners a little bit more information when you say like because you're saying, and I appreciate the compliment and stuff. But it's hard to explain to people what it was like coming to those groups and stuff. So just kind of yeah. tell people how we first met, who we met through, and then we'll talk about those groups and why you're able to learn that, man, you know, if you go first, you put yourself mm -hmm. out there, you may not connect with everybody, but it definitely increases the probability that a more meaningful connection mm -hmm. is available. You know what's crazy? I think it was 2013. I was supposed to have a big season. And first game, nine plays I was in. there at that first game. Man, nine plays I in. I had good seats to watch side. your leg. Ooh, that thing was... It was ugly. I so couldn't say, feel say it. Say what happened. Say what happened. So nine plays in the game. I was blocking the defender. My running back gets tackled, lands on my ankle, out for a season. Snap City. Snap City. So it was about like a week or two, maybe about a month or so. Um, a big, huge Utah fan comes and slides in my DMs. He may be in this room. Maybe, maybe or maybe not. We don't know, you know. <laughs> and so he's like, hey, how would you like to come speak to some kids? And I was like, I'll never turn that down, you know. And so I'm getting ready to 
I'm in my head. I'm got a speech going on. Like, okay, what am I about to say? Boop, boop, boop. I come in. Everybody just sitting in a circle. I'm like, okay, well, this is gonna be a different type of okay, because you're because you're used to going to speaking to youth, right? And he comes to me. Like, oh yeah, this is our prevention group. And so I'm like, okay. So I bring my lady in there with me, and she was like, "Because you the were right coming place? in on on a scooter, on a scooter, yeah, you I'm, I'm your, riding, your you know." And she tells me, "Like, are we coming to the right place?" Like, and so Brandon comes, and you know, that's how we introduced, and so we get into the the group, and everybody starts talking. I'm like, "Holy crud!" And it kind of goes, it got deep real quick. Huh? It got deep real quick, and I was like, "Oh shoot!" And so experiencing that was on a whole nother level and, it, and you were just a member of the group mm -hmm. so the way we had it is we'd have athletes we'd have local people that were like either successful mm -hmm. athletically or in, in some way musicians and they would always come in thinking they're going to talk to the kids sit down yep. and they were just a member of the group and so we asked them to share openly just like the kids in the group share right and so you got that experience off the bat you're like oh Maybe this is for me too, not just yes. for the kids. And that was my biggest takeaway from it. I was like, man, I came to this group thinking something else as far as I'm going to be providing a service for them when really they did so much for me and provided so much value in return. And I was like, man, whatever this experience is, I'm going to try to mimic this in whatever I do. And so that's, that's what happened. And like always, I mean, the kids loved you. Mm -hmm. Like they instantly came running up to you, man. And I remember when you'd come back and visit again, you'd see some of them, you'd mm -hmm. make comments like, Oh, you changed your hair. And that made them feel really special that you would a, even remember who yep. they were. Yep. And that, you know, that they even changed their hairstyle. And I know because you, you have spoken to many youth mm -hmm. that you can see that twinkle in their eye when they're like something you said connected with their life. You don't know what their life is. Mm -hmm. You don't know how you being of a different age, sometimes different ethnicity, different mm -hmm. background. You don't know how you could possibly connect with what they're going through. But something that we talked about before the podcast, um, the I know that you said you, you like that saying, um, is uh, we compete, mm, right? With our strengths, connect with our weaknesses. And you gotta get that tagline. That's, <laughs> that's beautiful. Well, that, that's uh, it's it's not her. Uh, I don't. She didn't make it up, but um, I forget where she risen her. But Heidi, right? You remember oh, Heidi, right? Yeah. So Heidi would. That's like one of her favorite things that mm. she would always say. So we were talking before the podcast, and and when you came to those groups, you, you learned pretty quickly that exactly. these kids. It didn't matter if they're rich, poor. Doesn't matter. Didn't matter where they came from, what they looked like. I mean, we had kids that were like, you know. You know for a fact they wouldn't be friends if they hung out and met Without in high school. Doubt. Yep. They did not have the same circles or the same type of interest. But for some reason, when they're there, mm -hmm. they can put their guard down. They could be real. They could be vulnerable. And having guests like you to come in and you were being vulnerable with them, it made them feel special because usually they would see an adult come in and they'd be a little scared, intimidated. But then when you'd be vulnerable in front of them or mm -hmm. anyone that would come in, but especially you because they really loved you. They would always go, oh, my gosh, like, I never would have guessed never. that he was like that. Mm -hmm. And you could have never guessed if you've seen some kid with, you know, purple hair or, mm -hmm. like, you know, dressing all like a skater. You would yep. never guess that they were so sensitive. True. That they, like, just wanted their parents to pay attention to them or that they mm -hmm. just wanted a friend. Because on the outside, we all wear those, like, so that true. armor, you know? Yep. But inside those groups, it broke those down. And because you were loved so much by the kids... Um, I was offered an opportunity to do a radio show, a late night radio show on ESPN 700, the local mm -hmm. ESPN. And I was like, I remember I hit you up one day. I'm like, Hey man, you want to be the host? And you remember what your response was Boom. just like that. He's yeah. like, he's like, he's like, when do we start? 
<laughs> Let's Tell do me it. when. I'm and there. it worked out too because you were already working with ESPN 700. Mm-hmm. So he had the relationships, right? right. This is obviously a common topic you're going to hear in this podcast today. He had the relationships with people there. Mm-hmm. So for me, they're like, oh, who's going to be your co host? I said, Kenneth Scott. They're, oh, done deal. They're like, <laughs> okay. I didn't have to like get you approved right. or nothing like that. They're like, oh, we love Kenneth. And you were just done playing football. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, like everyone else trying to figure out what you want to do. And in those episodes, we had the pleasure, I believe, to really get to see a totally different side of a lot of local celebrities, mm-hmm. former athletes, sure. broadcasters, yep. uh, dancers, dancers, mm-hmm. um, reality show guys, yep. right? But we got to see a different side of them. And I figured out what was the secret sauce about having you. Mm. Um, Kenneth, if I would describe it, you were like, um, if you were a type of music, then this is a compliment. Obviously, I love hip-hop music, yeah. right? We both mm-hmm. love hip-hop music. But your vibe is you're like anti-road rage hip-hop. Right, right. Yep. Like, there's something about you. Like, your you. vibe is like every guest would come in. You're like, what's up? Like, mm-hmm. they would look at me kind of like, oh, what's this fool going to ask me? <laughs> like, everybody knew that. Everybody knows I'm a counselor. Like, right. oh, he's going to try to get me to cry on yep. TV. But as soon as they'd meet you, they'd be like, okay, Kenneth, like, you were mm-hmm. like the emotional support human. Mm-hmm. Like, you were the one that, like, like made that. everybody feel comfortable. I love that. Where I was the person, people like, I don't know about him. What's That's he a soundbite. I'm going to take that. I'm a soundbite. <laughs> you were literally the emotional support human. You were like the ultimate hype man for these people there. Man. So you just made everyone feel safe and secure and just comfortable. And at the time, I just kind of intuitively know, knew that. But mm-hmm. I wanted to tell you that because I never, I don't think I ever told you that out loud. We had a lot of great shows. Man. And the reason why it was working so well, if I didn't have you, it would have been an awkwardness. But having you there just kind of like just calm the air. Everybody felt comfortable. I'd go to the bathroom, take a break, come back. You'd be saying something, having them laughing, joking around. Yeah. Like, it was just, it was perfect that way. Mm-hmm. Did, did you feel that way as well when, when, when sure. you're doing the radio show? Man, it was amazing. I was like, man, I wish I could have, we could have stayed on that course and because it could have been something huge. We was, this was basically a podcast in a way. We were the first, like, pod, now they do podcasts. See, they didn't have... I don't think they understood what we we're doing because the numbers we were showing them mm-hmm. were through Facebook lives. Nobody mm-hmm. was doing anything live back That's then. That's true. And we were showing them all these numbers that they were like, what does that mean? Those are better numbers wow. than we get on the radio show. They were confused, didn't really know what to do with us. And in my in 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 my I, my issue back then was I didn't really know what I was asking for. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes when you get a speaking gig mm-hmm. or you get something that comes your way that you just take it. Yep. And you're like, dang, I probably should have got paid for this or I should have made a lot more money for, for sure, it. For sure. But you're just thinking, and we talked about this before the podcast, we just needed reps. Mm-hmm. Like I knew I just needed to get on the microphone and just getting reps, getting yep. reps. Now, of course, years later, I've had this podcast, um, light the fight podcast. Mm-hmm. This is OG therapy, a new version of right, it. Right. But, um, all those years of doing light the fight podcast, I already had experience on the ESPN radio show. Mm-hmm. I did a podcast with KSL for a while. So by the time I really did my own podcast, was I was sh- like, it was already more fine tuned. Mm-hmm. And I think for anyone that wants to get into podcasting or into radio or something like that, you just need practice at what you're That's doing. That's true. So for you and I both, I don't know about for you, but for me, I learned a lot from that and just getting mm-hmm. to learn talking to Mike. Right. Was that helpful to you as well? Because you speak a lot now. Man, heck yeah. Looking back at it, I'm like, man, there's so many small things I wish I'd have done better. Oh, of course. But me too. <laughs> it was good practice. And I, I actually brought it up to one of my friends like, man, man, we actually co-hosted on ESPN 700. Like, it's ESPN. Like, those letters is engraved into everybody's yeah. mind. And, yeah. And now that we're talking about it, your idea was the pioneer of it all just get get ogs to talk about their deepest darkest stuff like, because people that like okay let's talk about this for a second 
this is OG therapy. Mm-hmm. But when someone says OG to you, like, what do you really think? Do you think of a person like just just got lucky and just everything went their way? Mm-mm. What do you think when you hear about OG? Because that's kind of what we're doing. We're interviewing OGs on on the radio right. show. Right, a person that just experienced all the hardships. And now they're taking everything that they encompass, everything that they accumulate and learn through those hardships. Now they're just trying to give back the game to the younger generation so that they can be better and forthcoming about their information. And so one of the things I always tell people is like, man, when I one of the phrases I say is, man, if I knew back then what I know now, I'd be. And being in the OG situation, you already have the answer to what you just stated. Now you're giving them the answer so that it can expedite their process along the way to become whoever they want to become. And so an OG expedites uh, a YG or a BG process and becoming on the path of success. And for those people who don't understand me, we'll make it very clear. So an OG, the literal terminology for an OG <laughs> back in the day, when I first did the podcast, I had to do a little intro. I'm like, Mm-hmm. Everybody used the word OG now, but I think right. older people sometimes don't really know what it means. Mm. It's a little hood. Yes, it very. <laughs> yeah, you got two versions. You got the older gentleman, or you have, which you probably going to say right older now. gangster. There you go. Yeah, older <laughs> gangster. And yeah. the older gangster, they were in it for a long time. Yes, and entrenched. The, what, and you tell me what you think. It's always to me like, the literal terminology in older gangs, the person that was from a neighborhood, mm-hmm. maybe they got shot, went yep. to jail. They had to like All go that. through a lot of horrible stuff, come back, but they don't got the energy for that no more. Nope. They're like, they're not trying to go back to prison. <laughs> I'm good. They're not trying like, I've been there, done that. Yep. So because they've been there and done that, they get a pass from everybody else. Mm-hmm. And they're like, hey, listen, why don't you be kind of like the the medicine woman or man for our for right. our tribe now? Like, Meaning, why don't you give us the, the information that's mm. medicine for us? Why don't you help us? And you you always see like OGs from that perspective mm-hmm. have the highest amount of respect. Yep, without a doubt. In the neighborhoods and families, but then it started to get more loosely terminology for I was seeing like my one of my uncles, George Molly Fool, I've talked about him before in the podcast. He was an OG for me in my life. He was never a gangster, he was just a big, tough guy. Mm-hmm. Everybody respected. But what made him so like honorable, why everybody liked him so much, mm-hmm. is that he didn't use his toughness mm-hmm. to intimidate people. He actually would make people feel comfortable around him. Mm-hmm. He was this dangerous man that chose not to be dangerous. Mm. And that's what made his words carry a lot of weight. Mm. And so I want, I want to hear from you. Like, it's not really what an OG says. Sometimes it's how they say it. Yep, and how they move. And how do they move? Real Gs move what? In silence. That's how we move. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, what, and, and what Kansas saying is like, people that really have wisdom, mm-hmm. they don't got to tell everybody else they're being stupid. Exactly. People have wisdom sometimes, like, oh, go ahead, knock yourself out. Like, they're just, they're like <laughs> they already know the outcome. I can't talk that fool out of that doing exactly. that. But from this perspective, from the podcast, that's what it really was. Like, you know, I wanted to give opportunities for people mm-hmm. like you who, you in your own right, even though right. you're younger, you are an OG because you have a lot of wealth, mm-hmm. knowledge, and information. You've lived a lot of things or yeah. went through a lot of things in the short period of time you've been on, uh, on this earth. And I want to get in that a little bit because I called this OG therapy – because throughout the years of my life that, mm-hmm. you know, I was adopted, I went through, yep. everybody has their own story, everybody's gone through their own stuff. But the stuff that I went through when I got into graduate school to become a therapist and do counseling psychology, mm-hmm. I really wanted to be good at what I did. So when they taught me all the stuff, you're trying to be a good boy. Like, right. hey, they tell you, don't do this, don't do this. And they're, it's really structured and they scare you not to like getting too close to people. Right. Because if you get too close to them, then... They could take advantage of you, you could mm-hmm. take advantage of them, which could happen. Right. Right. And in professional relationships, you want to keep it professional. 
But in this profession, the job is you have to get people to tell you their most deepest, darkest secrets, mm. hurt and pain, but you can't get close to them to get them to tell you that. That's a fine line. So, so that was a hard thing for me. So I created this version of the podcast so that I could take all the stuff I learned from psychology in school, mm. my experience, years working with people, and I could combine that with my life experiences, and that's OG therapy. And I've been doing that for years, and that's what made me successful in my own type of therapy right. as a licensed therapist. And I know for you as a, as a speaker with youth and all the things you're doing, you're doing your own OG therapy. So I don't think even though OG therapy is something I came up with, I don't think it's exclusive to me. Mm -hmm. Hence the reason I wanted you on the podcast because right. you do your own version of OG therapy that is influential. In fact, it's so influential. The University of Utah and many of the top people, including the, you know, the present top person of the, of the organization, want to be associated with you. So what I wanted to do was I wanted to talk to you for a minute about how you got the OG part of the therapy. Mm. And I want to bring up the book that you wrote about your mom. Yeah. So I didn't say this in your bio because I know this is, uh, you got other books that you're planning mm -hmm. on writing and stuff like that. So a couple of things I didn't mention in the bio is you got a TED Talk coming up in a couple of weeks. Yep. Okay, you'll be part of the team. Woo, TED Talk team. I was, so, I was so proud when I found out when Brand's like, dude, Ken has got a TED Talk. I'm like. Boom. I'm like, man, it's it's. I wonder how many wide, we might be the only two wide receivers from the University of Utah that have ever had a TED Talk. The only. I can't think of any others. If you're out there, let us know. We'll Do we have any? We'll start like a alum? support group. I don't know. Do we have any University of Utah alum? That that'll be a good hey, fun Brandon, fact. Brandon, check that out. Yeah, that might be a good. We, we may be. If KD got a TED Talk and I didn't know about it, I'm going to be bummed. Yeah, me too. So Kevin Dyson, I'm, I'm going to send this to you. Yeah, without a doubt. But he should have one, though, just so Without you know. a doubt. Yeah. Let's plug that. Yeah, let's plug that. Um, so we may be the only University of Utah athletes. Wow. Definitely the only two wide receivers at a TED Talk. Wow. And I want to ask you about that. And I wanted to share with our listeners that you have that coming up. Um, but real quick, uh, before we get into the book, so what is your TED Talk going to be about? Is it going to be about this um, experience, something related to this? Quite frankly enough, my, my TED Talk is going to be more around social health okay. and how basically pressure is no match for purpose. However, you must cultivate a legacy driven mindset. And so obviously relationships is a big part of it. And so that's, that encompasses the theme of the whole thing is if not you, then who, and if not now, then when that's the theme of it. So boom, I love it. I'm excited. I'm excited. I love it. And obviously you can't talk about too much. So after you do it, right, right, right. Do it, we'll have you come back on talking Ooh, about it. Can't but wait. Let's talk about, that legacy. Mm. Okay. I got this off Amazon. If any of you guys wonder how you get it, it's called 24. My life's journey through being a mom, lupus and kidney transplant by Latricia Banks and Kenneth Scott. Yep. Okay. So I want to talk about this for a second because as I mentioned here on OG therapy, you're the first, but mm -hmm. giving people that are real OGs, the opportunity to talk about how you became an OG. OGs don't become that way, experienced and wise, without experiencing through a lot of hardship, mm -hmm. pain, problems, and even some bad mistakes. True. Sometimes people got to go through their own mm -hmm. fire that they created, yeah. not just the one that life threw at you. And as I was reading this, I can't, a question came to my mind, <laughs> and it came off of a chapter in this book. And the chapter is called, Going, Going, Back, Back <laughs> to Cali, Cali. Yep. So I'm reading this, and by the way, I think I told you yesterday, you know, I, this past year I lost my biological mom, mm. you know, COVID situation, mm. and I love my grandmother who, who raised me a few years ago. I was reading this, and in that chapter, 
it's your mom talks about because these are her journals, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So these are journals that he compiled. So why don't you why don't you say real quick about the book and then mm-hmm. I'll say about the chapter real quick. Yeah. So the basically the book is the black and white, meaning my mother's journals that she written. And all I did was add color to it, made it more flavorful, made it flow. And so that's what it all is. Her, her daily journals that she written out. And I just took a collection of stories and implemented it into a book form. And the name 24 was because? The amount, 24 is the amount of years that she lived once she was diagnosed with lupus. And in that specific chapter, his mom was talking about when you were really young mm-hmm. that she would take you to all of her treatments. Mm-hmm. So I believe it was dialysis, yep. right? Mm-hmm. And she said he was able to be with me by my side the whole entire time through all my dialysis treatments. And then when he got to a certain age, he said he can't come back no more. Right. And she said that was really hard for her that you couldn't come, couldn't be there by her side and that she had to teach you how to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Like you had to be at home by yourself, you mm-hmm. know, because obviously there wasn't a lot of family, a lot of right. support. There's a little bit, but mm-hmm. not like all the time. And so the question I want to ask you is that even though you may not remember all those times when you're by your mom's side, what do you think being by your mom's side as a young man from your earliest memories, even before then, mm-hmm. all the way into like, you know, I think you were like eight years old, nine years old or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, nah, yeah. What do you think about those experiences gave you a different vantage point? Maybe it gave you parts of your character. Maybe it helps you in ways today that you can look back and point back that saying those things I went through with my mom really had a huge change in who I am. Because I said before the podcast, there's uh, some theories in psychology that believe that if we go through some things in our early childhood development, mm-hmm. sometimes those things could literally create your path of who you want to be and mm-hmm. who you want to become. Now, I've seen it. I'm just wondering, I want to ask you, because when I read that, dude, it gave me chicken skin, just gave me chicken skin and goosebumps. So what do you think about those experiences with your mom throughout all the time when your little boy has made you who you are today? Man, probably the, so one of the biggest phrases my mom used to use was everything's going to be all right. And so I remember one night, you know, in our 600 square foot apartment, you know, we have thin walls. And so one night I heard some soft crying, muttering, some erratic breathing coming from the other side of the wall. And so it was late at night. I thought I was hearing things. So I get out of my bed, I walk over to the wall and I put my ear to it. And as I started listening more in depth, you know, the, the sobbing and the, the crying became more frequent and intensified to the point where I eventually just dropped down to the floor with my face covered in tears because I couldn't bear to hear her on the other side crying because she was trying to, figure out how she was going to be able to cope with everything, like emotionally, physically, you know, mentally, all that, you know. And so, you know, I asked my mom, you know, mom, you okay? And then everything, everything's going to be all right. And I knew the answer, right? I knew, you know, because my mother's so strong-willed. She want to, even though she may be feeling a certain way, she will try to perceive a certain reality that was different. And so I asked her again, kind of more firm, like, Mom, are you okay? You're like, it doesn't sound like you're okay. Right. And she was like, everything going to be all right, son, I promise. And so that phrase to me, no matter what I do in life, you know, you know, 20, 20, year, 20, shoot, 20 years, so basically two decades just dominated by the illness and just scraping by, you know, that, that phrase to me, just inside of me that no matter what, everything going to be all right, no matter what it is, so. That moment right there, I remember vividly because I had to, you know, see her coming home from dialysis and I had to get a little rolly chair, sit around it, move around the house. So those those are, you know, some challenging times for me. But it also was a motivating factor for me to 
make sure everything was going to be all right. You know, when you're saying about the when Brandon had reached out to you on Twitter and said, hey, could you come speak to some youth? And you're like, mm. of course, right away. Mm -hmm. He couldn't have got to you any other way. Mm -mm. There's no way because what you're telling me that young man that was waiting for your mom to come home, mm -hmm. that was standing on the other side of that wall, that young man. She was telling you, son, I know you love me, but you can't save me. Mm. You can't save me from this. I got this. I'm going to I'm going to take care of this. Yep. And, you know, I, I only, you know, messaged her a few times while we we're doing the radio show. You know, I talked to her a couple of times when she called in. So I never really got to have that personal relationship with her. But the way you describe her is definitely like she's like, I got this. Like, I got this. Like, mm -hmm. You get your thing. I'll got, I'll, I get my thing. When she was reading this, that she had to teach you how to do that for yourself. Mm -hmm. She said it was really hard for you to not be there for her because I think selfishly she wanted you by her side all the mm -hmm. time. For sure. I don't think she wanted you to go, but she knew that you had to live a life without her mm -hmm. preparing you for what ultimately was going to have to happen someday. Right. You know, and that's another childhood thing for me, you know, growing up without my father, you know, for a little background about my father. He's a he's a hairstylist, men and women. And so early on in his younger years, he was very famous in the Houston area. They call him the great Kenneth Scott because I'm. I'm Really? I'm named after him. Nobody knows the great that. Scott. I didn't know that either. Yeah, yeah, my dad's named the great Kenneth Scott. Nobody knows that because I just don't have that relationship with him and I don't yeah. want to be connected with him just yeah. because of the character and the value. So I just didn't want to, I wanted to be separate. Have your and, own identity, even though you have the same name. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so he made a decision, which kind of swayed my decision later on in life. He was like, I'm going to keep chasing his fame and fortune, even though I know. Your mother's sick. I know I have a son. I'm gonna keep going this way. I'm, you know, it was more in, like whether he realized or not, he did not put relationships first. Right. He was focused on himself, and I learned through my mother that the beauty is serving others. And so early on, all the anger that I have with my dad, like I was never gonna be like him. I'm always gonna be serving people. That's that was like my main thing, serving. Because that's my mom. I remember going to Food for Less, and we had our food stamps, and someone in front of us who looked to be wealthy and had some money, the car gets declined. My mom, without a doubt, was like, here, I have food stamps. We'll pay for your food off food stamps. And I'm looking at my mom like, yo. <laughs> You're like, well, who's going to give us their food stamps? Is there someone behind us going to give us their I'm food like, stamps? I'm like, yo, come on now. Like, we only got a certain budget every month that we give. But it was those random acts of kindness from my mom that I seen. And, you know, she always thought outside of herself. Yesterday at the game, a photographer came up to me and was like, I loved your mom so much. When my sister had gone missing, your mother was the first person that reached out to me and kept reaching out to me until my sister got found. I never knew that. Just some ram photographer that your mom started talking to, became friends with back when you were playing, right? I, back when I, I yeah. never knew that. Wow. And another lady who gave me another book. Um, she was talking about how someone was having suicidal moments and my mother talked to him. I didn't know that either. So behind the closed doors, my mother just always had a serving feeling. And I think that's what, you know, I get from her. Thanks for, um, just being so real and so open with your answers. Uh, you know, we, you and I have talked for mm -hmm. a very long time about deep personal stuff. And I know that, you know, you'll laugh at a good joke, but for you'll sure. also be honest with a deep question mm -hmm. too. And, when I was when I was reading the book, I was I was just kind of thinking like, what should I ask him? You know, mm. about his mom in the book. And when I came across that chapter, of course, it caught my 
my eye by the name of the chapter going yep. back to Cali. And so the chapters was mom moved from Texas mm-hmm. to California to live with her sister. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was a big change. You know, she has, she has this illness. She's sick. She's got a little baby boy with her. Mm-hmm. But I laughed too. Cause she was working at Mervyn's. Yep. Dude, yep. that was our spot. Hey, man. You know I, it. Yep. I spent so much of my childhood at Mervyn's. My mom, she was an avid. My mom knew everybody at Mervyn's. Do she they have it anymore? About, no, they don't have Mervyn's anymore. Okay. Okay. Yeah. The like, Mervyn's hey. in my hometown is now in LA Fitness. Oh, well, dang. So, yeah, it's a gigantic gym. But when you when it said Mervyn's, it was like, oh, yeah. I can just imagine your mom Run working at Mervyn's. Yeah, I'm just, oh, you know, just talking, hey, how's it going? And, but no, that, that chapter, you know, going, going back to Cali. I just imagine. You being a young boy, because, you know, even though my wife doesn't have any health issues or complications, I have a son that was about the same age that you were, mm-hmm. according to your mom and that. And I'm like, man, like, eight-year-old, seven, eight, nine-year-old little boy watches mom like that. There's no way the brain can process what's happening, but you know that it's real. Mm-hmm. Like, you know your mom wasn't playing. She wasn't joking when she was, you know, quiet in a room and then crying and having those moments. You knew that was something that could not be explained in words, but it could be explained in meaning, like in feeling. You could feel that. And how you you use that to be different. And it, I liked also, too, that you didn't you didn't say any hurtful words about your dad. Right. You said he made some choices, mm-hmm. and those choices were not what you choose to make. Right. So in that sense, he has inspired you mm-hmm. in a great way, yep. just not the way that, you know, you want to necessarily inspire your kids right off the exactly. jump. And that leads me to another question. I was actually, my next question is about your dad is you'd mentioned me a long time ago that, you know, you'd off and on have some connection with them, mm-hmm. some relationship. And eventually you started to get to know him a little yep. bit better. Um, right now um, in your life, can you say there's some things about you that you're like, I am, a, I am like my dad in this way. Cause I had a hard time. My mom was someone, my biological mom. I was someone I was so embarrassed with because mm-hmm. she chose to give me up. Mm. And the way I saw it, she chose drugs over me. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so for me, I don't know if you, you remember, we had, like, we talked about that a yep. long time ago. And I never, I mean, I knew who she was. She came in and out of my life. But usually when she was in my life, it was pretty dramatic mm-hmm. and not a, like a fun time. Mm. But as I got older, I started to get a relationship with her, but I yep. keep her at arm's distance. Right, right. I couldn't keep her that close because I didn't trust her. I feel her. you. I feel so you. So my question for you is that when I had a deep conversation, my mom finally was in my 20s. Mm. I remember getting off the phone and the girlfriend I was talking to at that time, she's like, what's going on? I'm like, I'm tripping out. She goes, why? I'm like, I just had a, a long conversation with my mom. She's like, was it okay? I'm like, it was great. Like, I'm her son. Mm. It blew my mind that I'm like, yep. I know I came from you. She said things to me and there's something about, it was so weird to not know her and to know her so well and I, yeah. her to know me. That's what so I was my saying. question is for you is, even though your dad hasn't been a huge part of your life, is there ways you're like, oh, I am my father's son? <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. Yeah, I know, me too. Unfortunately, yeah, yes. <laughs> my dad, you know, now that I'm interacting with him, you know, I, I do, like you mentioned, keep at arm's distance. But we, we did have that point where I just poured it all out to him. Um, it was a part where I basically was like, man, you was never there for me. And you said I, be honest with him. I, I was honest. And it was the first time I was honest with him. And he broke down crying. I broke down crying. And he was like, son, which... I remember, but I don't remember. His father passed away when I was very young. And so my dad had a lot of success. And then when that success was gone, his father passed away. His career's gone. Nobody's talking to him. So he went to a deep depression. He turned to drugs. And those drugs ultimately led him into prison. 
And so he was dealing with a whole bunch of mental health issues that I didn't know. I wasn't privy to him. And so I'm having You this, thought he just didn't want you. I thought he didn't want me. Yeah. And it wasn't that way at all. It was just more of he was dealing with his own demons that he had to face. And unfortunately, it didn't <laughs> it had to wait like 20 years later down the line to get to know him. But, you know, I had that conversation with him and I finally was like, man, I am kind of like this dude in a way. <laughs> like, damn. Um, and so like musically. He sends me music like almost every other day, like old bands, old guitar strings. I'm like, dang, maybe that's where I get my music here from. Yeah. And then, you know, my mom did the same thing. I was like, well, maybe that's where I'm musically inclined. And so, yeah, I get, I see a lot of stuff from him. The gift of the gap. My dad, this dude, man, he can talk your ear off. <laughs> he can talk your ear off. I was going to say, I was going to say, because uh, your mom had a sweetheart conversation about her, but she could never be a hustler. Mm-mm. Like, like, cause you do have that side where if you wanted to, you could use your powers for evil. Oh, for instead sure. Of good. Mm -hmm. And my dad, you know, I, my dad, I feel like he encompasses that. Yeah. Uh, he, at times he would. He could save the world or he could ruin it. It just depends because really he's very cool. talented in that way. Yeah. And his gift of gab can be, he knows how to use words to swing it, swing different things to use it against him. And so I learned from a lot of his mistakes and, one thing that's true to my dad, I'll be honest with you, he would never, no matter how much the world is on top of him or he's on top of the world, he would never, his name to him, he still knows, he he still feels like he's the great. No matter how everybody else sees him, he's true to who he is. I am Kenneth Scott the great. No matter if he's the poorest guy, he's like, I'm the great. Like, his confidence is at such a high level. Like, I'm the great no matter, you know, what life has dealt me with. And I'm like, man. I like that confidence. And so now when I'm thinking about certain things, when I may feel a certain way and the reality's not there, I'm like, man, you're right. I mean, he calls me the magnificent because I'm like, I don't want to be the great. You yeah. know? <laughs> so he calls me the magnificent. And so um, I'm like, man, you know what? I am who I am, you know? And so it gives me that confidence. So it sounds like he he's he's basically, he's ingrained it into himself and he's trying to ingrain it inside of you because even though you didn't have those influences in your young age is mm -hmm. that, even when you're down, even when you're not at your best, when you're struggling this and that and the other, your potential and your capability is always magnificent. Mm -hmm. That's always great. Right. Even if you're not in that spot right now, you can get back there. For sure. And it was kind of like we were alluding to earlier. Like you have this destination and you're just going in courses like this in your life. And so, you know, you making sure who you are is always right there. You're always going to have like a direction in which you go towards. And so that's what my dad just kind of reminds me of. Like, okay, I'm still the magnificent. No matter how many times I failed, how many risks I've taken, and it just completely is horrible, I'm still who I am. So. Well, the takeaways from your dad, um, the life experiences with your mom has definitely made you the magnificent, in my opinion. <laughs> I appreciate it. I, I want to end with just asking you, you know, one last question. And this is another heartfelt question. Mm -hmm. And being a father, I, I know I think about this a lot with my kids. Cause, right. You know, because my kids aren't going to get to know. Mm -hmm. I have an adult relationship with my mom, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a lot, of, a lot of things that they're just going to, you know, they'll be hanging out with their friends. Like, oh, your grandma and grandpa's here. You know, it's just. Mm -hmm. That's a tough one. You know what I mean? That, that's a real tough one. So real tough. I want to ask you is your, your legacy is mm -hmm. really a part of your mom's legacy. For sure. Like they're connected. Mm -hmm. You obviously know that you want to be remembered as a certain type of way. Mm -hmm. Right. So my question is, how do you want to be remembered and how do you want your kids to know they are like your mom? Man, 
Take your time. <laughs> so I'll tell you a story. <clears throat> so let me see the book real quick. So, you know, obviously earlier this year in February, this is when I published the book. And so I remember I got the author's copy just like this. And I'm sitting in my office and my oldest Brooklyn comes running in and sits on my lap. So I got the author's copy in my hand like this. And Brooklyn's sitting on my lap. She looks down. She looks at me. She says, Daddy, who's this? At that moment, I just had to pause. <laughs> and I'm kind of emotional because if you ask anybody in my family, the one thing that my mother ever wanted was granddaughters. And I have two of them. But she's not here to see it. And she passed away less than a year than Brooklyn was born. And so that situation hit me hard. And so as Brooklyn sit on my lap and tears just falling down my face, Brooklyn just grabs my face and starts wiping my tears. And this freaking tripped me out. She said, Daddy, it's all right. And then she went to kiss the book. And it was as if she knew it was all right, you know, meaning my mother. And so even though she's physically gone, this right here, I can be able to teach her the things that my mother encompassed, embodied, and everything in life. And to hear your daughter say, Daddy's going to be all right, you're like, how, is it, like, how does she know to say that to me right now? That's what my mom always said to me. Exactly. And so when you ask, how would you be remembered? How would the legacy live on? It's through sharing her story consistently, reminding her, showing her pictures. Like, this is your grandma, too. Like, you have two of them. Well, she had a couple of them. But, <laughs> but this is your grandma. This is what she went through. This is how I got here. This is what, what I stand on. And here's the things you're going to stand on, too. And so this right here, man, to, to know her grandmother's journey, to have to fight through what she had to fight through, I would have gave up a long time ago. It's last 24 years through it. <laughs> Dude. Man, yeah. I've seen her through the man. I remember I feel those that one, man. nights where I had to carry her on my back going up flight of stairs, her feet just swelling up like sausages. Like, man, I remember those moments just her not eating so I can eat. You know, our dinner table was an ironing board, and we used to get the crates from the grocery store and put it as chairs. Like, I remember all those moments, man. And it's just, I laugh about it now. It's like, man, I remember those. those those are some spectacular moments, but you know, this right here is how I keep her name alive, keep her constant as a reminder for my kids to stand strong. That's really what it is. You know, every mom I've ever met, one of their greatest fears is that there'd be one day or one moment of their children's life that their children's doubted if she loved them. Mm. And your mom obviously knows you love her. Mm-hmm. She knows that you know she loves her grandchildren, even though she's not here with them. Mm -hmm. But it's it's really cool for me to hear you say those things because you know, like I said, I didn't prepare you with those questions. Right. I don't have to ask those questions, man. For real, I was like, we have to get sponsored by Kleenex again, man. For real, Kleenex. and um, but when you said that about about your your daughter saying that and saying, mm -hmm. "Dad, it's gonna be all right," it's moments like that. They're like, you're like, 
Oh man! Like, <laughs> like that. Like, come on, man! Like it's it's just it's too it's too mm-hmm. real and it's too special and for her to kiss your mom's face and that it, your mom doesn't want to be forgotten. And obviously she'll never be forgotten because you're telling the story mm-hmm. and your daughters will hear all the great stories. And also too, they will get to know that they're magnificent and they're great too. Not just because they say it because they have stories and accounts of mm-hmm. someone that they came from did it. Yep. And I think that's what parents, you know, when, when I'm talking to parents say, I, I don't want them to show their kids their stresses and their worries. Mm-hmm. I want them to show their kids also that, you know, they can turn their pain and their, mm. you know, all those hardships also into some of their, the best things that they've been through mm-hmm. or the best lessons at least. True. And the craziest thing I was talking with Brandon earlier today, it was like, you know, they had me in the must student section at the game. And during the transition from third and fourth quarter is a moment of loudness. And so I remember the university of Utah football team, they asked me, Hey, do you have a picture of your mom? of the football jersey and stuff. So we want to put it up there. So it's happening. And so all I can think about is like, we was talking earlier. It's like, man, my mom loved my music. She jammed it or whatever. It's like, she's not there obviously, but like she was in that stadium. We was going hard. Like that performance left field, like, you know, it was just a bigger moment to me than everything else. And then like I was telling Brandon earlier to see Brandon on that field, you know, doing his little <laughs> encompassing that that Brit out there. Then my scholarship, and you was out there. You know what I'm saying? Everybody was there for the moment. Like yep. that's like stuff you can't make up. And so that's something I'll never forget. Just the people that I have good relationships with was there in the moment where, man, I'll never forget. So that was awesome. Yeah, those moments needed all those people, mm-hmm. and and also too, even though she's not there, you know, it's like mom, I'm like, like we I'm here. You know what I'm saying? Like we here. Yo, I've never even seen a halftime before. Like, you're usually in the locker room. <laughs> in the locker room getting yelled at or something. Yep. <laughs> Man. Well, Kenneth, I, I just want to thank you so much for being the first guest here in OG Therapy. For sure. I have a feeling that our, our paths will be crossing a lot more mm-hmm. in the future. And, um, you know, also I want to thank you, too, for uh, um, being willing to be one of uh, my very first OG Therapy certified coaches. Sir. And, um, mm. uh, you know, I was talking to Kenneth and... I said, I'm doing this thing with OG therapy. It's not just a podcast, but ultimately want to take all the cool stuff I've learned from mental health and psychology and 23 years of helping people, my life experiences, but I want to give people like you and other people out there, just give you my information mm-hmm. and then you can go run with it, do Boom. whatever you want to change the world in your own way. So sure. thank you for being uh, on the podcast. Thank you. I, thank by the way, when, when, when you get certified, we're, we're going to have you come back and talk Let's about what you went through. Because uh, for those people out there that um, want to eventually, you know, learn some stuff from some old dude like me, uh, we may have that opportunity <laughs> for through, sure. through OG th- therapy certification in the future. But we'll, we'll talk about that later mm-hmm. on in the future. For Without now, Kenneth, thank you for being here, man. I love you. Man, love you, you too. An amazing performance yesterday. Thank you. We're all proud of you and can't look forward to uh, seeing your TED Talk when it comes out. Man, I can't wait either. Thank you. Appreciate okay. you for all everything. Right. Always in my corner. So thank you. Always. Thank you for coming to business here at OG Therapy. And until next time, be cool. And thank you for just helping us to light the fight.